Good morning. Welcome, Georges. Um, one or two intimations I've got for you. Um, first one is from Irene Gemmell. The first edition of Paisley St George's magazine, News from the Pews, will be collated and distributed in early August. If any individual or organisation would like to contribute something to share with the congregation, please email Irene Gemmell. I'll give you an email address if anyone wants to find out, because it's a bit complex. No later than Sunday, 25th of July. As from next week, we'll be opening up the balcony to increase our numbers to up to just over about 80, and therefore allowing more people to attend from home, what we've got at St. President 65. With our ability in Cossyside to improve our attendance number, effective from the 11th of July, um, it will be the last live streaming up to the Outreach Centre in Glenburn. So effectively, like next week, will be the last live streaming up to Outreach Centre in Glenburn. I had a couple of phone calls last week um, just making comments about, and I hate to say this, dust. Right. I have been mentioned about dirty pews and dust all over the place. Now, I'm aware and know that the cleaner has made sure that this place is clean. I've been round about making sure it's quite clean. Um, but as with an older church, does create dust. And upstairs, these sides, there is still a lot of dust, and even just with some air circulating, at times there will be a drop of dust onto the pews. So we're doing our best to make sure it's as clean as possible for everybody. Um, we're aware that the wipes that you're using uh, does leave a wee bit of a residue. That's the aloe vera in it. We've tried other wipes like this, which has got alcohol on it. And when we put that and tried this on one of the pews, I actually lifted the varnish entirely right, and left the whole lot sticky. So we'll not be using them. Okay. So if anyone got any comments, wish to say anything, please see me after the service. Wish to give a warm welcome to Reverend Stuart Stevenson, which gave our Stuart Stevenson a bit of a fright last week when Stuart was actually thought he was going to be taking the service. Um, so <coughs> welcome to Reverend Stuart Stevenson, who will be taking us for worship today. A couple of other wee things just to mention. Um, next week, the service will be led by John Spooner. And it's with sadness that I just want to announce that um, Margaret McMillan from Outreach Centre in Glenburn passed away yesterday in hospital. We've got no further details on that until such times as the family let Muriel and those at Glenburn know. And that's all the intimations. Thank you. Morning, folks. Morning. Thank you, Graham, for that introduction. Um, where is the other Stuart Stevenson, if you don't mind me? Just want to keep an eye on him. <laughs> so that... Uh, I don't blot the family copybook and ruin the family name, um, but that's a pleasure for me to be here this morning, and I've been made very welcome already by so many people, and it seems to be a church filled with joy. There was a lot of hilarity and laughter earlier on when I came in, so it's wonderful to be here, and we're going to be considering how joy can make our lives complete this morning, so that was a nice uh, opener for me coming in here this morning. Uh, I'm a friend of Vary's. I trained with Vary. I don't know if she told you this. 
So I met Vary many years ago when we went to Edinburgh for training, and I've been a friend of Vary's ever since. You are indeed blessed by your minister, and I, don't, I, I know that you don't need me to tell you that, but you are indeed blessed with Vary as your minister. Everyone is welcome in the house of God to worship Jesus Christ, and even though the restrictions mean that there's no sort of formal social occasion afterwards with tea and things like that, we are still meeting together as a family in Christ, and we should be delighted that's still possible. So let's just quieten ourselves with a wee opening prayer. Let's pray. God of majesty and power, how awesome you are to us, how beyond understanding you are to us. Lord, you created the universe, the earth, and all that is in our world for us to enjoy. And not only that, you created us as your children here in this place. You have given us enormous privileges. And Lord, we so often abuse them. But here, Lord, in this place, we repent of our sins this morning. And we are humbly before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our uh, call to worship is one where I lead and you speak back through muffled voice, mask, so you know the thing. Um, uh, you should all have a wee slip of paper. I think it was handed out. Give you a second to... Everyone's got it. Good. I like to include the congregation in the worship as much as I can. We come with joy to this celebration of God's love. We come with hope to this witness to God's power. We come with a willingness to proclaim God's presence to all. Amen. Thank you. Our opening hymn is a, another hymn of joy. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. And the choir are going to lead us in worship through the service. Wrong hymn, sorry, this is the day.
Let us pray. Almighty and loving God, we are indeed privileged to be here this morning here in St. George's Church in Paisley. There are so many reasons to be thankful this morning, Lord, so thankful that we cannot even begin to express how thankful we are to you for all that you have given us and all that we have here in Paisley and in Scotland and the United Kingdom and the world itself, not to mention the cosmos that we float around in. We are so privileged. You established our earth in this space that is beyond human understanding and beyond human knowledge of any kind. So many questions are thrown up by so many discoveries, and it just reminds everyone of the greatness of God. Thank you for all that you have made and for all that you have done for us. Thank you for this country that you have given us here in Scotland, which is so beautiful and so plenteous in many different natural resources. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done for us, and we bless you for it. Lord, we confess before you our sins and those things which we would rather we didn't do. Lord, we are sorry for the things that we say that often upset or hurt other people. The times we have gossiped about someone, a family, a person, a group of people, or used unkind words. Sometimes we say things, hurtful things, instead of encouraging constructive things about people. We confess to you those times we have taken offense where none was intended, when we reacted wrongly, when we reacted on the cuff of the moment and, the, 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 and, and just reacted badly to the situation. We confess our sins for those times, Lord, when we have offended people to falsely build up our pride by putting others down. Eternal God, you show us the true meaning of humility through the service of Jesus Christ. He served others. The Son of God, the creator of the universe, stooped down low and washed his disciples' feet. That was the example for us all to follow. Eternal God, who gives us the gift of the resurrection and forgiveness, right now in this place, take from us now our weight of sin and let us release those guilty feelings through repentant hearts that we may be ready to forgive others more kindly. And let us say the words together that we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> it was pointed out to me when I came in, because I was sitting down there talking to some ladies, and I said, is this where the children sit? And, uh, well, apart from me, uh, the, uh, the, the answer was no, uh, there's no children at the moment. But that doesn't deter me because we're all, as one of the ladies pointed out, big children anyway. And uh, I, besides, I've got bubbles and I'm no coming here 
and not blowing these bubbles. So I for, forgive me whoever uh, cleans the church in case there's some sticky bubbles about the place, but Now, you're probably wondering why I'm blowing bubbles in your church. I like blowing bubbles. I've liked blowing bubbles since I was a kid and I got my first bubbles. Did you get bubbles when you were a kid? Yeah. It's a nice cheap toy. Your parents were cheap. But no, we love bubbles, don't we? I was going to say I could look at you all smiling, but you're all masked up. <laughs> but, well, we'll just assume you're all smiling. I was going to get a bubble machine, but I couldn't afford it. <laughs> but it would help enormously. Oh, it really would. But we love looking at bubbles, and I often wonder about bubbles and wonder why they take that shape. And I asked kids in another church service uh, what makes them round, and he said it's because you're blowing them through a round hole. So I said, well, if it was a square hole, would they come out square? And he thought about that for a minute before he answered no. No, they're always round, aren't they? Do you know why they're round? Any physics teachers? Vary's no here. She was a physics teacher. Surface tension. Clever, clever. Does anyone know what that means? Surface tension, it holds things. But why in a circular shape? Why in a round shape? Anyway. We don't really know how everything works, but we know it works. We don't know how the TV works, unless you're a TV engineer, but you press the button on it comes. Most people don't know how to work a car, I mean fix a car, but you reliably press the button on it when it comes and or turn the key on it when it comes. And, um, but the main reason for blowing these bubbles this morning is because, as predicted, whenever you blow bubbles, people smile. So it's a form of passing on joy. It brings, it brings joy to people, and it's a really simple way to bring joy. Whenever I do this in a church, you just see, uh, normally, without masks, you see a sea of smiles before you. Um, I, I think, I defy anybody to be that low that they wouldn't smile when they saw bubbles getting blown. And then I would say, well, what things can we do to bring joy into other people's lives? And you'll answer me loads of sensible things here. You'll say... Say anything. What things do you do to bring joy into people's lives? Apart from blowing bubbles. I'm just too shy. Kids aren't shy. Big kids are. But no, we can bring joy into other people's lives, can't we, by doing nice things for them, or chatting to them, or visiting them, or phoning them up, or sending an email, an encouraging word. We can bring joy into people's lives in all sorts of ways. And it's built into us, I think. It's hardwired into us to bring joy into people's lives. And I think that comes from God. I think it's a gift of God that we, we share joy uh, with others. And it makes me wonder how we give God some joy back. I mean, it's all a one-way street. You know, God's given us this gift. We, we, we spend that gift with other people. We try and bring joy into other people's lives and the things that we do every day of our lives. But how do we bring joy to God? How do we thank God? Is it just by turning up on a Sunday and uh, worshipping Him? Well, that's one way to bring joy. It's a good way to bring joy into God's lives. Um, and I'm sure you can think of other ways that we can bring joy into God's lives. But I think the most important way to bring joy into God's life is by you 
sharing the gospel message with others. And I, I, I might be wrong, but I think that's probably the best way to bring joy back to God. Put a smile on his face. It's probably even better than blowing bubbles. Um, and the church, as you know, faces a very challenging future. Um, and you're a recent, you've recently entered a new chapter of your future here in St. George's Paisley, and it's wonderful. But the future still has a tremendous challenges. And in order for the church to meet these challenges, we have to find a way of bringing joy into other people's lives and, as a result, bringing joy into God's heart and, and into his, his existence as well. So, the kids missed out this morning, but the big kids didn't. Thank you for your attention. We are going to... Uh, I better watch because I got the hymn wrong at the start. I better check this carefully. Um, we're going to move to the reading with Jan. Good morning. Our reading this morning is taken from John's Gospel, reading there chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one li one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Thanks, Jan. We are now going to be led in worship again. I'm going to say this quietly and slowly. A new commandment. Is that right? Yep, it's the one. A new commandment.
You're probably going to panic now. I've got another question for you, but this time I'm not going to ask for a response, which is just as well because you were useless during the first... Uh, you were all sitting there going, I'm not speaking, I'm not speaking. I'm not seven years old anymore, but never mind. Um, some churches, that when I ask the folk to respond, it's the exact opposite. I get bombarded with stuff and then I panic. But uh, what brings you joy? There's a question for you in relation to what we talked about just a minute ago. What, what brings you joy in your life? Now, obviously, I'm not going to ask for hands up, so don't panic. Just thinking that question during this sermon. I want you to think about that. What brings you joy, complete joy in your life and answer for yourself? And while you mull that over, I'll tell you about some of the things that have brought me joy in my life. All through my life, that question has changed. You know, the answer to that question has changed, as you will know yourself. The things that brought you joy when you were seven are different from the things that brought you joy when you were 20, and so on. But some of the things that uh, brought me joy were things like passing my driving test for the first time. Uh, and I mean the first time I went for the driving test because I was the, I'm the fourth, young, I'm the fourth of five brothers and they all failed the ones before me. So I can assure you that brought a great deal of joy. I would say it was almost complete joy in my life at that time. My brothers wouldn't talk to me. They were absolutely, what's the word, Scottish word, beeling. They were absolutely beeling. They were really, so that brought me a lot of joy. Maybe not a very wholesome thing to be joyful about, but yes, it brought me joy. But again, a limited thing, a limited joy for it soon passed after about 20 years. It could be at the time you passed important exams. It could be, and I wasn't good at passing exams, so I don't really have that joy it could be the, the first kiss you had. It could be your first girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. It could be acquiring a possession, a precious thing that has meant a lot to you all your life. You could be your first car, remembering back to when you got your first car if you own a car. There's so many things that it could be maybe a painting that means a lot to you. Maybe it was a Christmas present that your mum or dad gave you when you were wee. That sometimes brings me a great deal of joy remembering back to some of the things that my parents got me for my Christmas. Music brought me a lot of joy when I was a teenager. And that's not unusual. Teenagers love music. I get into heavy rock in the 1980s, late 1970s, 1980s. I get really into heavy rock music. And in my school, you were either a mod or a rocker. So I fell into this category of the, the long hair and the, the, the heavy rock and the leather jackets and all the rest of it. I fell into that category. But I loved my music and I, I'm happy to say that my musical tastes have widened over the years. I'm not just a heavy rock fan anymore, but uh, certainly I, I, I grew up, uh, that was the main thing for me, but I, it, it broadened and I started to get into other stuff, although I tend to like old stuff, I'm still a big Beatles fan, and um, I, I like a lot of different types of music now. But again, those things were wonderful at the time, and then you find that your love for a particular band or music style comes and goes, and it's limited. Passing joys, you might say. I think it's neatly summed up in the Rolling Stones song, 
no, uh, you can't get, I can't get no satisfaction, which is a fantastic song, but I'm, I remember thinking that lyrically, the guy's admitting defeat before it even gets finished, I can't get no satisfaction. And to me, that's what my mu love for music was like. It was, it was good, but it wasn't giving me satisfaction. As I said, I'm also a Beatles fan, and that has brought me a lot of joy over the years, none more so than when we visited Liverpool, Fiona and I, my wife and I, just a, a, a few years ago. And but she suffers me, she suffers fools gladly, my wife. She, she let me do the whole thing, you know, the whole tourist thing. Uh, the Magical Mystery Tour Bus, so we got on this Technicolored uh, coach and went round all the sites in Liverpool, Penny Lane, Strawberry Fields, McCartney's house, uh, Lennon's house, Ringo Starr's house and uh, George Harrison's house. And we get the whole guided tour, went to all these different places. I was in my element, I loved it. Um, but it reminded me about the joy that, that my love for the Beatles has. Again, it's a passing joy, it's a limited joy. I still like to listen to them, but it doesn't provide a complete joy. And it also reminds me that the Fab Four, as they were called, the Beatles, the four of them, they were hunting, they were searching in their own lives for complete joy. And as you'll know, if you're a Beatles fan, they even made a, a trip to meet a guru in India to try and find spiritual completeness and joy. And they actually found it made anything but um, they failed to find any sort of spiritual completeness on that trip for various reasons you can research yourself but it, what frustrates me was they lived in a town, a, a city of Liverpool which was so full of places of worship and spiritual centres they could easily have found the answer without halfway round the world trips I find the closer I get to God the more joy I find in my life and of course, I'm bound to say that. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm bound to say that. You're probably going to think. But when you think about it, why do Christians bother coming to church? And if one thing this pandemic has shown us is that Christians, church really matters to, to Christians. Because when the church has been allowed to meet, the churches have been well attended by as many people as are allowed by the two-meter distancing rule. Well, you might say that's a habit, a ritual. It's just something that gives comfort to people. That's why they go to church. But I don't believe that. I think there is a real joy in people's hearts in coming to church. Meeting together as a Christian family is so important. And it's something we've been deprived of. And therefore, I think we appreciate it a little bit more than we did before uh, all these lockdowns started kicking off. Of course, you don't need to be in church to worship God. You can worship God anywhere. But church is important. It is important because we meet together as a family of Christ. We encourage one another. We uphold one another. But of course, we can meet in houses or we can worship alone wherever we are. It can be a Zoom meeting worship for all those who can't make it this morning or online as we know that. And we ask God's blessing in all those who are watching online this morning uh, right now. It doesn't matter where you are really, but there is a real joy in being together. And of course, we've, we're not allowed to sing. Um, we're still masked up, but we are blessed indeed that the choir uh, are allowed to lead us in worship this morning. And thank you to the choir members for doing so. Uh, that is wonderful to hear singing voices again. We're so used to churches where it's recorded music or 
uh, computerized music, but this is, this is a big change and it's wonderful. Jesus says in verse 11 of that passage, Jan read, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That's the kind of joy I fancy. Joy that's complete. That's the kind of joy I've been searching for right through my teenage years with music and with various things that brought me passing joy. That's the kind of thing I really want. That's the kind of thing I think we all want. Joy made complete. And it doesn't even sound that complicated, and it shouldn't be, because the gospel message isn't complicated. You've got theologians and ministers and people like that to thank for making it complicated. But really, it's the most simple message and the most simple story. And what confuses me about that statement by Jesus, I have come that you may have joy and that joy may be complete. Surely the disciples had complete joy being in the presence of Jesus. Why would they have said that wee bit extra unless the disciples weren't in him completely and weren't having complete joy? Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said it. And Jesus went on to instruct them on how to truly abide in his love and find complete joy. And of course, we've just heard that hymn sung. 15, 12, verse 15, eh, sorry, chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. That's it. That's how you get complete joy, folks. It's not complicated. I mean, you could argue about theology and all, you know, all week long that's it. In one verse, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus set an example about love, which we know ultimately ended up sacrificing his life for all of us. And that's the kind of love that we have to emulate, that kind of love, that sacrificing, um, selfless love to our family, to our friends, to people round about us. We have to show that sort of love as Jesus showed us how to do it. And it makes me think very naively and very idealistically, like a big Wayne, what would the world be like if that were carried out, that instruction? What if everyone in the world did as Jesus said? I think it would be pretty good. The world is a sad place indeed. I'm sure you don't need me to depress you this morning. But can you imagine the government of the United Kingdom not bothering with a defence budget anymore? In all the countries in the world, scrapping defense budgets, nothing to worry about. Peace, no more bombs, no more evil people running around trying to take over countries. Yes, idealist I may be, but this instruction is the answer, it's the solution. And I read somewhere, hate is the absence of love, and I don't know how true that is, but it certainly, it certainly sounds true. It made me think back again to my, my, my childhood because the earliest memory I've got of the news and the television wasn't a happy one. I had to look it up to make sure that I was getting my wars right, but when I was in the mid-1970s, um, I think I still lived in Paisley at the time, but um, the war in Beirut was raging. And I remember the guy in the news talking about gorillas, and I, I was confused because I thought gorillas were things in zoos. And um, I didn't understand uh, it was phonetically the same as gorilla, but it was soldiers or rebels or whatever. And I remember my parents explaining to me, this is people killing each other in the name of religion. And that was one of my earliest memories of the news and a terrible memory for a kid to first experience. 
And I think also the, 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 the shootings and killings and bombings in Northern Ireland featured heavily at that time as well. And uh, not pleasant news for a child to see. My daughter Ruth hates the news. She won't watch the news. I had no influence in this, but she correctly pointed out to me recently that why watch the news when there is very little good news on it? We watch the news to be informed, I say, but she says, why be informed of stuff that gives you nightmares? Isn't it weird how they always, or they try to tack on a good news story at the end of the, the broadcast? I, I, I do watch the STV news, and I get really upset if they don't have a good news story at the end, and they don't always have a good news story at the end, but you just love it when there's a nice wee uh, bit at the end to cheer you up. As nice after frightening the life out of you for half an hour that they make an effort to cheer you up. The disciples were normal human beings, just like us. They were no different, they weren't special. They had all their insecurities, just like us. They had all their issues, just like us. They were jealous of one another, we know that from the New Testament. They had pride. They had all these things going on in their lives. They may have lived with and loved Jesus. They may have been in his circle of, as disciples for three years or so, maybe longer. But they were just ordinary people, and they were affected by sin just the same as anyone else. They were not perfect, and Jesus didn't expect them to be perfect, doesn't expect us to be perfect. But he wanted them and he wants us to try and to abide in his love and he gave them that simple instruction to do so. And if you put that commandment to love one another as I have loved you, if you put that forefront of everything, when that next time you get angry about something, next time your pride's getting the better of you, next time you're getting jealous, think about that commandment. It makes a big difference, I can assure you. And Jesus set that example for so many times. I mean, I, remember, I said earlier on, he, he stooped down, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, and washed the feet. That was the lowest job for a servant. It wasn't a job that anybody in leadership did. It wasn't even a job that men specifically did. I know that's sexist, but those were the times. You know, it was a job for the slave, a girl, or whatever. Awful. And Jesus knocked all that out of the park and said, no, no. Remember how uh, Peter said, you're not washing my feet. You're not stooping down. Well, you can't be my disciple then, Jesus said. And then Peter said, well, wash my whole body then. Because he wanted Jesus to love him. Remember Jesus said, if a centurion asked you to carry his shield or his tunic for a mile, and that was a legal obligation at the time, if a soldier came up to you, a Roman soldier, you were obligated to do what you were told. And he was only obligated to ask you to carry one item. Jesus said, carry all these items and go two miles instead of one. Give to the poor. Take the lowliest seat at a meal. Take the hand of those suffering disease and those who are unwanted generally in society. What about refugees? I don't know about you, but my heart breaks when I see a, 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 someone begging in the street or a refugee. My heart breaks and when I, I see the news, the depressing news, and discover another pile of, uh, sorry, another um, makeshift boat or raft or something has sunk and the poor souls have perished. 
as has happened in the last couple of days, it's absolutely shocking and sad. I was up, whenever I'm up in Glasgow, and I'm not saying this to brag, but I'm saying it in case you're in Glasgow, there are people sitting in the rain in January, not now, obviously, but uh, this was a particular example, in the, the rain on the freezing cold ground with very little to cover themselves. So if you've got any old jackets or anything like that, you don't need to go through a charity. You can go up in the train or whatever and hand them out. That's what I've done. And, and it's so appreciated. Buy a pie or a meal or something and hand it over. We can, show, we can share our joy for Christ in loads of different ways. And when we look at all these situations in the news, we can feel powerless and, and, and find an excuse and say, well, it's nothing we can do anything about. We're, we're just the little people. We can't actually make a difference. Well, you can make a difference. There are ways. And we can, we can do them, actually do them directly ourselves. It's so straightforward. It's so easy. If you're ever in a situation that's afforded to you, you can do something. I remember we went to the fringe one year, and there's one of these closes uh, joining the, the, the Royal Mile, and we went, there was a kind of ducat, is that a word, a good word in uh, Paisley? A ducat in the wall, and there was a guy sleeping in there. And I asked him if he was all right, and he mumbled something back to me. Well, we're just going for a meal, so I ordered an extra a plate of dinner. You can do things like that. You can take it and, and give somebody a wee bit of joy. I remember years ago when the Erskine Bridge used to have a toll, remember that? And uh, I, I came up to the, the toll, and the guy says, you're already paid, the guy in front paid for you. I received some joy, and I don't know if the person was a Christian or not, I don't, I don't really, but I got uh, a, wee, a wee generosity there, and it was lovely at the time. Uh, and uh, just one of these things that stuck in my memory for a long time. You'll know these words well from Matthew's gospel. The Son of Man will come again in his great glory with all his angels. He will be king and sit on his great throne. All the nations in the world will be gathered before him. And he will separate them into two groups. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The Son of Man, he will put the, the, Son of Man will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to the people on his right, Come. My Father has given you his blessing. Receive the kingdom God has prepared for you since the world was made. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was alone and away from home and you invited me into your house. I was without clothes and you gave me something to wear. I was sick and you visited me. You cared for me and I was in prison and you visited me. And then the good people will answer, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you needing food? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When, Lord, did we see you alone and away from home and invite you into our house? When did we see you without clothes and give you something to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and care for you or visit you? Then the king will answer, I tell you the truth, anything you did, even for the least of my people, you also did for me. When our selflessness is like that of Jesus, the King, and is rooted in God's love, then we truly abide in God's love and we are made complete in Christ. Then we have experienced that completeness in Jesus that we can only aspire to if we don't follow 
that commandment. So back to that question I posed at the beginning. What brings you joy? Your answer is your secret. I'm sure you've thought about all the things I've reminded you about in your childhood and your teenage years and the things that I've, I've mentioned. But what brings you complete joy? Maybe you have complete joy. You can teach me a thing or two. Follow that commandment and you'll have complete joy. I found this old book on the internet. It's not in print. It's an old book. It was on Google Books. And the title, as soon as I read the title, I was intrigued. Because whoever comes up with a title like this, it's definitely worth a read. The, the title of the book is The Lives and Anecdotes of Misers. Printed in 1850, but as I say, I don't think there are any excellent copies. They might well be in somebody's house, but uh, you can get it on the internet. Um, I, I, the Lives and Anecdotes of Misers. With a title like that, I was compelled to read some of it. And this is an excerpt from one of the chapters. Some years ago, there lived in Marseille, I'm not pronouncing my French term, Marseille, an old man of the name of Guillaume. He was known to every inhabitant and every urchin in the streets could point him out as a miser in his dealings and a wretch of the utmost miserliness in his habits of life. From his boyhood, this old man had lived in the city of Marseille and although the people treated him with scorn and disgust, nothing could induce him to leave it. When he walked the streets, he was followed by a crowd of boys who, hating him as a grasping miser, hooted him vociferously, insulted him with the coarsest epithets, and sometimes annoyed him by casting stones and filth at his person. There was no one in the city of Marseille to speak a kindly word in Guillaume's favour, no one to bestow an act of friendship or a nod of recognition upon poor Guillaume. He was regarded by all as an avaricious griping old miser whose whole life was devoted to the hoarding up of gold. At last, this object of universal scorn died, and it was found that by his tight-fisted lifestyle, Gallo had amassed an absolute fortune. What was the surprise of his executors on opening his will to find these remarkable words? Having observed from my infancy that the poor of Marseille are ill-supplied with fresh water, which can only be procured at a great cost, I have cheerfully labored the whole of my life to procure for them this great blessing, and I direct the whole of my estate and property be expended in the building of an aqueduct for their benefit and use. Monsieur Guillaume knew where joy was to be found in serving others, and doing good for people, even though it made him an object of ridicule and hate. We can share joy wherever we go. We might not have the means of Guillaume, and we might not want to have filth chucked at us, but we can share joy like Guillaume by doing selfless deeds, by doing things beyond these walls, by the example we set to others in this exciting new chapter of your life here in this church in St. George's Paisley. We are called by Jesus to share the gospel message of joy in Christ and to win hearts and minds for Christ. Someone said something about Doer Presbyterianism to me at the start as a joke. 
but there is no dual Presbyterianism in St. George's Paisley, I can safely assure you. I've not witnessed a single instance of it, so we're safe. No dual Presbyterianism for us, but a lively, rewarding, fulfilling, outward faith in Jesus Christ filled with joy, a complete joy, a joy made complete in him by following that commandment. Amen. The choir are now going to lead us with all 4,000 tongues.
Thank you, choir. You've been wonderful. And that last one, I forgot how many verses was in it, but you it really trained your voices there for a while. Thank you. It was a blessing to all of us. Let us pray. Jesus, in our need, we come to you. In weakness, we need your strength. For we too easily become dry as a bone without your life-giving spirit to lubricate us. Jesus, you are the true vine. Teach us to remain in you and so to find your life flowing in us, giving strength and excitement and joy and life as we draw closer and closer to your presence. Lord, we pray for our community here in Paisley and we ask for your blessing on all the Paisley people that they may come to know the truth and joy of worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ through our example and witness here in this town as the Christians who are challenged by you to represent Christ here in this place. We think of our country more widely, of Scotland and the United Kingdom and beyond, Lord, countries all across Europe and across the world, where so many divisions and jealousies and battles and conflicts rage and tear lives and families apart and cause such chaos, such as the Middle East and Yemen and Israel and elsewhere, Lord, places where we have become so desensitized by the, the daily news briefings that it means nothing more to us anymore. But we forget that in these places, real people's lives are being hurt and damaged and killed. We thank the Lord of places where natural disasters are also causing major problems, like in Canada with the, the recent fires and naturally occurring fires and in parts of North America as well. And the place in Japan, Lord, which was washed away, the, the town of Akato or Akito, that was washed away and there's so many people missing. We think of the folk and the families in that building in Miami that collapsed and we just ask, Lord, for all these situations, for all these tragedies and difficult things for people, Lord, we ask for your blessing upon all those affected. Our thoughts turn, Lord, to Christians who are faced with the daily dangers of persecution for their faith, who face danger simply for being linked to you. And we ask for your strength to be, for them to be imbued with your strength, Lord, and that they will be able to stand up to all of these abuses. We pray for the nation's leaders, Lord, whether it's in Scotland or in the United Kingdom, how we cry out for godly leaders, and Lord, the examples of leaders haven't been great of late. And we just pray for a change of heart, a change of direction spiritually in people's lives that are charged with leadership. It is such an onerous and important responsibility. These folk who are called or elected to lead our countries are supposed to set an example for the young folk. And so, Lord, we ask for holy leaders, for righteous leaders, that they would obey the basic precepts of decency and integrity. 
We thank you and ask for your blessing, Lord, on the offerings that have been made this morning, whether it's been online or uh, wired through the bank or physically put in the plate this morning. We ask that you charge those who are the guardians of these funds to be blessed in their use of them and their care for them and for the future benefit of St. George's Paisley. Lord, we are grateful that you have given us the solution to all of these problems. That commandment, Lord, that we need only utter before we think of doing something negative or something wrong. Love one another as I have loved you. And then we, Lord, will only have good news to talk about and only good news to pray about and to thank God for in the years to come. And it's not impossible. For with God, the impossible becomes possible. Thank you, almighty God, from the bottoms of all of our hearts here this morning. Amen. I'm going to ask the choir to complete the service by singing Blessed Assurance. I hope you got a wee bit of a rest there. Uh, but Blessed Assurance.
pronounce the, the benediction, I just get a wee warning of thunder, possible thunder outside. So just be careful making your way home. And thank you again for letting me share worship with you this morning. It was a real privilege and blessing for me as well. Friends and beloved of Christ, you have been chosen to go into this world with all the message of God's love. Bear fruit of hope and joy and peace and justice with all that you meet. May God's peace be with everyone. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen.